The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Um, yeah, we can officially call a, a time of death on this Milwaukee Brewers season. I think they finally played themselves into a point where making the playoffs would take somewhat of a baseball miracle. As uh, they now find themselves, what is it, two games back of the... Philadelphia Phillies for the net final National League wild card spot. Three games to play. Three against the Arizona Diamondbacks for the Brewers. Three against the Houston Astros for the Phillies. But here's exactly what they need to happen. They need to win out. The Phillies need to lose out. And if that does not happen, the Brewers will be watching the playoffs from the same place that you and I will be watching the playoffs from our couches at home. Uh, welcome, Adam. How does this dreary Monday in my area treat you? We can't call time a debt yet because they are not actually dead. We are administering the last rites today. I think that would be the way of putting it. Um, they are they're they're on their way. Uh, they're they're set to pass over to wherever your beliefs uh, may believe they pass over to. Uh, it's tough to have any chance, as you said, we need a sweep from the Brewers. 
we need a sweep from the Astros um, over the Phillies. Maybe the Astros do their part. The Brewers, on the other hand, the last time the Brewers swept the series was the 19th of June. And that was a three-game sweep of the Cincinnati Reds. And the last time they swept the series of three games or more before that, you have to go all the way back to the 5th of May, which, Andrew, you guessed it, that was a three-game series against the Cincinnati Reds. That's kind of the problem. That's really a big part of the issue here is that this team um, has not been able to string together any kind of meaningful winning streak, certainly in the second half of the season, no sweeps in the second half of the season. And even in series where they should come in heavily favored, where they should be head and shoulders above their opponent, they are incapable of just racking up the easy wins that are there for them. And it goes even beyond that. I mean, the Marlins are not good, but they're also not a complete sad sack team in that they have some real, real quality pitching, which I think we saw in this series. But across most of these games you watch, you're like, all throughout, it's like, yeah, the Brewers Brewers are kind of the better team here, and it feels like they should win this game, and it feels like they should win this game. They've got more hits, they've got more runners on base, and none of it tends to matter. In fact, uh, of the three games that the Brewers lost in this series, the one they won, they did not have the advantage in hits. Two of the three losses, they did. And that's kind of the Brewers' experience. It doesn't really matter what kind of pitching performance you get. And we've had the ups and downs, and I think we'll talk about some really tough pitching moments as we we go through our recaps here. But overall, this is a series that they lose three to one, where they allow four runs, zero runs, four runs, and four runs. When your season is on the line, you've got to be able to score more than four runs to take care of business. And for the longest time now, the Brewers have not been able to do it. Uh, Another thing that you just have to address is a series against Boston leading into August, leading to the trade deadline. You trade Josh, Josh Hader. You acquire um, two relievers, actual relievers, one reliever in theory, and you now have a bullpen that can't stop blowing games. And you've had one of the, the worst bullpens in baseball since that moment. Obviously, Josh Hader, uh, just after that trade, had some moments where he looked like a disaster, but he seems to have righted the ship. And the guys that were, A, replacing him, and B, quote-unquote, adding depth to the bullpen, have only gotten worse. And so when you combine those two things, just the offense and the pitching have never been in sync this entire season, or I guess the second half of the season, because it's easy to forget that there was a moment in the middle of the season where we felt like this team, you know, they're not going to be – up to the standards that we had set for them earlier in the year, we were thinking try and chase down that two seed behind the Dodgers early in the year. Then that became something of a, of a pipe dream. But then the division seemed like, okay, they still have the inside track. They can still do that, this, but the thin margins uh, resulting from an offense, that's never going to blow you away. Injuries to the starting rotation guys not performing up to their capabilities and then just 
the bullpen turning into a disaster post tread de- tread deadline are just all things they were no- never able to overcome and we'll get more into that and whatever a post-mortem looks like towards the end should of the we season, just but... just on that point should i i have um kurt hogue yeah. at the journal central had a had a couple of tweets on it. i have to open front to me should we read them out because they give the data even to back up what we're saying and i think what everyone had already felt like they were seeing with their eyes yeah go ahead so this is from again kurt hogue of the Milwaukee journal sentinel since july 1st only five teams in baseball have a worse win percentage added from their bullpen than the brewers no team has a worse negative wpa total than milwaukee the amount of blow leads has been an, an abject disaster and um, to get into some of the details Hader has had his struggles, no doubt, since being traded to the Padres, but in-game context, they haven't been as detrimental as some of the late-inning relievers from Milwaukee. Since the trade deadline, Hader, minus 0.3 WPA, Bush, minus 0.73 WPA, and Rogers, minus 0.88 WPA. So, uh, Josh Hader, still the best of the bunch, in spite of one of the most, maybe the most catastrophic spell that any pitcher in baseball has had this season um from his final days in milwaukee to his early days with the padres uh, but considerably closer to a neutral value than bush or rogers at this point which speaks to his turnaround which has officially secured um josh Hader his playoff spot the brewers lost sealed the deal for him so he's still going to the playoffs he sure is adam he sure is most likely to face the New York Mets, after they had a collapse of their own in Atlanta this weekend. So lots of playoff storylines. Unfortunately, they probably won't involve the Brewers playing, just their former players getting into the postseason. Uh, Game one of this series was on Thursday night, a four-game series. Eric Lauer took the mound against Braxton Garrett. And the Brewers got the scoring started off first. Mike Brasso double in the second. Brings home uh, Christian Yelich after a, also a throwing error, error from old friend Abigail Avisail Garcia. But don't worry, he would have the last laugh here <laughs> in in that second inning as well. Kessling here at double scoring Brasso. 2 nothing Brewers after the second inning. Got a really good performance from Eric Lauer. Uh, kept him on a pitch limit, I guess, given his return from injury. But he definitely could have gone longer and probably um, might have helped uh, the situation this weekend, given all of the arms out of the bullpen that would require use. But Lauer goes five innings, just the one hit, no runs, no walks, nine strikeouts, 71 pitches. Peter Strezlecki relieves him, uh, adds a bit of traffic to the bases in the sixth, but ultimately gets out of the inning. Uh, one one inning pitch, one hit, a walk, and two strikeouts for Strezlecki. Has, um, did he pitch again in the series? He did. Okay, and was it unfortunate? Um, no, but it was brief. Um, okay, he... okay, well, perfect. So he's still his season ERA is now under three. So I just wanted his, to shout his that season out. Season ERA for... is is two two ninety one. Perfect. So he has uh, continued that uh, trend on, on putting up uh, great numbers. So good to see going into next season. And then the moment of the game, Adam, uh, Freddie Peralta, who would also be slated to start a game in the series, comes out of the bullpen, throws a scoreless inning, and then gets into trouble in the eighth inning, uh, tr- trying to work, or yeah, in the, the eighth inning, trying to work a second full inning, uh, ends up loading the bases, and then Avisel Garcia hits a grand slam in the center field off of Freddie to effectively 
in the game as the Brewers would not get any more runs in their next two trips to the plate. Makes it 4-2. Justin Topa pitches one and a third scoreless after that. But uh, obviously, Craig trying to be flexible with the bullpen, um, using Freddie in a spot there because there's a little bit of a lack of trust from some of the names we mentioned earlier. Uh, the trade deadline moves that did not pan out. Maybe sticks with Freddie a little too long. Definitely sticks with Freddie a little too long. Um, once he started to allow base runners and things get precarious there, maybe you make a move. But nevertheless, it didn't work out. Grand slam from Garcia. And that's pretty much that game. That's the story of the game and the fact that the offense couldn't muster anything other than those two runs in the second inning. Two for eight was runners in scoring position, eight left on base. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the Freddie one is tough. Um, it's one where I get I get where it's coming from. I get why Craig Council is doing it, but it is also just I I don't know. Even for the the days to come, and given given how this series was always going to play out, just the injuries, and then even how circumstances added to it, um, that decision does send something of a message to the rest of your bullpen, a lot of those guys, that is probably not entirely ideal at this point. Um, and there's also something we know of Freddie's struggles. We know of his ups and downs. And it's one thing to say, oh, well, he can give us two innings. That's maybe ideal for him right now. He can really go at it and we'll be in a great spot. But the flip side of that is, he has not been put in any situation where the stakes are as high as that for quite some time. Um, honestly, maybe all season. I can't think of a game where Freddie went really deep and the Brewers were in a really close one. And certainly it wasn't at this point in the season where everything was essentially must win. So there is one thing of, you know, all of the issues he had and um, with his velocity down with the kind of the struggles they've had in getting, his recovery from injury right um, and some of just the niggling kind of fatigue he's been suffering from that there's kind of a balance there between is it is it the right call to put him out there for two innings it's only two innings maybe that's the right way to go about this for him but the other side of it is you're giving him the seventh and the eighth inning in a must-win game with a narrow lead and there's no doubting like his ability Overall, as a pitcher, that shouldn't be a problem. But it's not like this is the very best version of Freddie Peralta that we've been watching recently. This is not the maximum version of him, the version of peak confidence at the very peak of his powers. So that, that was a tough one. It's, it's one where, obviously, if it works out, we're all hailing that move because it is so drastic compared to anything else we've seen. But then when it doesn't, you are left in a spot where you've got to think, if it was a really healthy guy, if it was, your, say, your fifth starter who may otherwise be going in a different spot and they're healthy, and you say, this is the place, maybe. But Freddie, things just haven't been, I don't know, certain enough, secure enough for a variety of reasons lately that putting him in that spot seems like a really tough one. And tough is what it was. Uh, that led into Friday night, which was 
uh, much better experience if you're a Brewers fan and a, a fun game to watch as a uh, as a Brewers family, a cruising for a bruising family on playback. Sandy Alcantara versus Corbin Burns, and it lives up to the hype. It's not often that, that things are exactly what you expect them to be, but this was a pitcher's duel uh, to end all pitcher's duels. Just great dueling performances from Sandy Alcantara and Corbin Burns. Burns goes eight eight scoreless, four hits, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts. Um, just a great performance when they needed it. Sandy Alcantara near, nearly matched him. Eight innings pitch, five hits, one run, no walks, eight strikeouts. I mean, these were nearly identical score lines, except for Rowdy Telez's sacrifice fly that scored Garrett Mitchell in the sixth inning, puts the Brewers up one nothing, and that would be enough. Devin Williams would make it interesting in the uh, ninth inning adding some traffic to the base pass uh, to make it scary. I think that he loaded the bases in the ninth, um, but then rolled, record three strikeouts to get out of things. So one nothing Brewers win. Corbin Burns answers the call and matches Sandy Alcantara pitch for pitch and outlasts him. Thanks to us, Rowdy Telez, sacrifice fly. Devin makes it scary, but back is against the wall. The Brewers got the win on Friday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We have to talk about what was our big talking point when we were on playback watching this game, late in the game. And honestly, I, I think to this day and even reflecting on the season and what could have been and how fine the margins were, it is a talking point. So as we'll get to what happens then in the next game. Um, 
Corbin Burns at 102, sorry, 103 pitches, true eight innings. At the time, we felt very much like send them back out there. Send them back out there. There, there was no real sign of him kind of dropping off. Like he, he still had it. He wasn't encountering massive amounts of trouble where you're like, okay, this is really at its limit. And we know that is more than you generally like to go, but there is no reason why he couldn't have got out of there in 10 to 12 pitches and you keep Devin completely fresh. And instead you end up with Devin going 27 pitches. Okay. He gets the job done. You get out with a win, but then you find yourself in a spot where the next night you're deciding to put him out there again. Let's not forget Devin recently had, is that the final game against the Cardinals? Maybe not, because that was Woody. But he also had a game very recently where he had to go the guts of two innings. Like, he's been pitching a lot lately. And that was a spot, particularly with bullpen days coming, knowing the troubles you have, where I think you could have you could have looked at Corbin. And even you can take it as it comes. I mean, I think you could trust him to get another out or two. And then... You've you've different options on the table as it is. But going going to Devon there, it worked out. They got that win, but I don't know, does it ultimately backfire or is it unfair me to to draw anything to what happens in the following game where Devin comes in? Well, I don't think it's unfair. It's definitely something that's a factor. And it was it was why I was also like understanding of what happened with taking out Lauer when they did the night before, but we're talking about four games when we know we've only got probably one of the starting pitchers that you can trust to give you like a normal starting pitcher's load of work. And then you get there with Lauer and it looks like you can go more in the post game. He said it could have gone more and then they didn't. And then you ended up having to lose, use all those pitchers. You lose that game. And a similar thing with, uh, Corbin, if he can go out and get you one more inning and buy a day for Devin, buy a day for the whole bullpen. That would have been everyone on the bullpen's rested coming to the next two days, knowing you have to probably throw two full bullpen days and you come out ready to go. And it's just, uh, I mean, I'm not going to be old man yells at cloud right now, but it is <laughs> just one of the things in modern baseball guys don't go as deep into games. And for the most part, that's good because we're thinking about the health of pitchers arms and not extending them too far. But I think these are two cases where it would not have been the arm abuse. It would have been just asking your guy to give you a little bit more um, in thinking about the broader context of the series and what it's going to require from a pitching standpoint. So obviously council council himself talked about that too, in terms of, reason that pitching is the way it is the reason we see the kind of velocity we see is because guys are not asked to go eight and nine routinely anymore and that is undoubtedly a good thing but this is this is season on the line and trying to manage a pretty fraught situation with your bullpen where you don't have a whole lot of confidence in a whole bunch of guys it's the reason you brought freddie peralta in in a bullpen role the night before so here you have the chance and there's no doubt that Corbin would have wanted to come back out for the ninth. So there isn't even persuasion there. And as is like, I mean, his arm is going to get a whole lot of rest now very, very soon. Um, so I, I fully understand that this is not a, if this was the middle of June, as much as we may want to, to see Corbin get a, 
get a complete game shutout sort of thing, then it's like, I get, I get why that's not going to happen. Sure, fans might want that, but the reason that you do it is very sensible. If you're the manager, you've got more than just that one game and the enjoyment for the fans to worry about. But this is an outcome where it's like, this isn't about just the fans having a fun time watching it. This isn't about Corbin kind of getting something cool to say about a season. This is about your season and about what is the, the best path to success. It's not a simple decision, but I do think ultimately the wrong decision was made. Yeah, I think we're in agreement there. Uh, unfortunately, uh, going into the uh, the third game of this series, this was a this was a long one. Adam Aaron Ashby on the mound and what was um, thought to be mostly a bullpen day, and I think it that is exactly what it turned into. But the, probably got a little more than Ashby than from Ashby than even I was anticipating. Um, because he did pitch into the fifth inning, him on the mound against Edward Cabrera, and the Marlins would get the scoring started off in this game. A Peyton Burdick home run makes it two to two, or excuse me, two, two to nothing. It would have been great if it had made it two to two, because then the <laughs> ensuing sixth inning would have uh, been even better. So yeah, Did the Brewers start with two runs on the board next season. That'll be. A, it, I'd like to make that adjustment. It should be like a free space thing. Um, so Peyton Burnett or in like bingo, Peyton Burnett homers in the third to make it to nothing. Uh, the Brewers would answer in the bottom of the fourth with a Christian Yelich home run to make it two to one. And then in the, the sixth inning, the Brewers would uh, do even more. Uh, Arias hit by pitch, scores Rowdy to Les. Caratini ground out to second base, scores Hunter Renfro, makes it three to two. Before that, uh, Ashby had gone four and a third innings pitched. Uh, allows a base runner in the fifth, and Trevor Gott comes on to replace him. Gott gets out of that fifth inning and then provides a scoreless sixth with no damage. So really good performance from Trevor Gott, a guy who started the season playing a prominent role in the bullpen, had some IL trips back and forth, but is, in my mind, hopefully a guy that can come back and, and factor his way into the bullpen again. Uh so after all the good news in the <laughs> in the sixth inning uh, for the Brewers, this game would still be uh, three to two heading into the ninth, and uh, I guess Devin Williams would start the inning, and it would not go well. Um, only recorded one out, one hit, two walks, a strikeout. A Dela Cruz single makes it four to three after scoring John Birdie, and then I think Brian Anderson scored on a fielding error by Yelich. Um, Makes it 4-3. Uh, Richard Blyler comes on in the bottom of the ninth and gets the Brewers out without scoring a run. 4-3 Marlins win. And just it, it goes back to what you discussed in the last game. Devin asked to come in to relieve Burns. Throws 27 pitches in that game and really has to labor to get the save and then is called on to work the very next night. Obviously a factor. He would say that he still expects to get the job done, but you're coming to the end of a long season, and these miles and these pitches are adding up. And given his command in that inning, it seemed to it seemed to be a factor, or it's a day where he just didn't have it. But I think it's all part of the same conversation. Yeah, watching that game in the moment, it – Certainly, back half of it, it felt like the Marlins had no right to win that game. But the Brewers were not cashing in. And this was a game where it seemed like 
you know, maybe your luck is in. Maybe things are just going your way and this is all going to work out and you're going to be a playoff team because the Brewers had absolutely nothing for Cabrera through three innings. He got injured, had to leave the game, and that was a major, major break, um, which we saw the results of immediately as then Yelly hit a homer off of, I think it was a Nardi straight away. Um, that's a big break they got that allowed them to get into the game, that allowed them then to take a lead. And really, it did not seem like that lead was in danger at all until the script was flipped. And it's really, really tough because you get a lot of good bullpen outings here. Got, as you mentioned, was fantastic, giving just under two innings. Uh, Box was excellent. Boxes picked things back up again in what seems to have been a real up and down season for him. Uh, scoreless inning from Matt Bush. We know that hasn't always been the case lately. So that that was certainly um, reassuring. And when it's just Devin Williams, then that lets you down. You don't expect it. It's pretty tough. Uh, tough on him, too, because he has done so much for the Brewers lately. He's really taken on, I think, more than just about anybody in terms of stretching himself out. He, he feels like the guy that Craig has been most comfortable with pushing, pushing beyond where he has others. And ultimately, it just just fell apart at the worst possible moment. Um, but it is worth noting this is a game where any kind of offense any kind of offense, the Brewers are probably out of sight and you're maybe not even bringing Devin into the game. Like, this was right there for them. And outside of Rowdy and, and Renfro, who twice um, got on in succession to get things going and to give the Brewers runs, there was nothing there. Nothing there. Yelly's homer was just something completely in isolation. Truly shocking, given how Yelly has looked uh, for, for a little while now. Again, another player who the ups and downs of his season have been really tough to stay on top of. But it was Rowdy and Renfro, and there was nothing else. Really, really rough game from Willie Adamas that we've seen quite a bit of. Um, I'll give one other stat here. This is actually updated through the four games. It's from Dom Catronio of um, Locked On Brewers and the, the stats man for the Bally Sports Wisconsin broadcast. Um Yelly, 3 for 41. Willie, 7 for 46. Rowdy, 8 for 55. That's how those, those guys have closed out their seasons. And if you remember when things started to look up and the Brewers are rallying, I don't know, maybe it was three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, and we had a conversation and I was quick to know the Brewers need to get stuff working with those three guys. They need to start games off strong and they need to make that count. And I think we got maybe one or two games beyond that where that was the case. And since then, those three players had, fell off. The we course. had a, like a two-week stretch where Willie was starting to be that guy. And then yes. since since it's just all three of them have fallen off a cliff at the same time, as those stats note. And you just can't win that way. Or it's so much harder to win that way when you're – I mean, we'll talk about uh, this in the offseason, but – Willie and Rowdy, to an extent, are what they are as hitters. Uh, they're a higher level than they are right now, but they, they fall into a certain level, like that high 70s, low 800s OPS, a lot of power, a lot of swing and miss, but you, hopefully they're making up for that with walks. And you're going to get Yelly, variance with them. Yes. And Yelly, going from MVP candidate 
to what he is now means that they all have to be at that certain level at the same time because you don't have that one grounding force in the lineup hitting second, hitting third, who's, you know, hitting close to 300 with an OBP near 400 and also hitting 25 to 30 home runs. And it just makes it so tough because you're, you're asked, you're, you're trying to win four or three ball games every game. And when you're doing that, like we've said a million times, I mean, we're having a conversation we've had a million times, you're going to lose a lot of four, three games as well playing this way and with the margin so thin and I, yeah it's just they they all ran out of steam at the same time during a playoff chase and, and that's tough when no one else is picking up the slack and i think that last point is crucial as well because as much as to get this job done particularly william rowdy the, Bre- the brewers needed them to be at something close to their best those three guys struggling and then nothing happening for you just exposes as if we couldn't all already see it, the core flaw in the construction of this roster. And I hate to be back at this and we're going to be talking about it throughout the offseason, but it comes back to spending and it comes back to the middle of the order, the back end of the order. There's no pop. There's, there's very little there. Like the Brewers are so reliant on Willie and Rowdy performing at a level that to their credit, they have done for most of the season. And, you know, <laughs> in a better world with a more well-rounded roster, We'd be able to say, okay, William Rowdy dropped off late in the season. It's kind of understandable. They've carried a lot for this team. At least these guys were here to pick up the slack and they can get it going again for the playoffs. The option isn't there. And I think that's really tough because it puts more pressure on those guys and ultimately not making the playoff offensively is going to fall on some of their most important and best offensive players all season. But it does feel like it's because there is such a gap there was such a gap between those guys and what's coming beyond them. Hunter Renfro is an exception. I think it's someone who's bridged that gap. Colton Wong has been good recently, but he's had his ups and downs. Tyron Taylor has just been far too inconsistent. I, I mean, I think what everyone wanted to think Tyron Taylor was going to be coming into the season and, oh, becoming an everyday starter. What's happened since then, the results have spoken for themselves. I think even the impact someone like Garrett Mitchell has been able to have coming up speaks to Tyrone Taylor's place. Uh, Luis Arias, I'm overall I'm really underwhelmed by his season. There's just there's just not enough there offensively, and I not even seeing the defensive impact. Like this is a team with a lot of of good players. We know this. This is the whole construction of it is designed that look, we're good at every spot, but they're just not good enough. And that is the story of the Brewers as a whole this season. But I also think it has to factor into the questions they ask themselves this offseason. It has to factor into whether Mark Adonazio is going to actually spend and where, where the Brewers will spend. Because they're in a really tough spot now because there's reconstruction needed to the bullpen. We have questions beginning to loom over Corbin and Woody's futures. And the team has no offense. So the balancing act there is really difficult. And without some commitment to spend even a little bit more, I I don't know how you go about that. But even if that's not going to be the case, which realistically, I think we'd all say it's not going to be the case, how they choose to kind of mix and match with that, where they're prepared to make concessions, just may need to change. It may need to change. If you've got three to four starting pitchers that you're really reliant on, um, and you're really confident in maybe some more weight has to be put on the offense and the bullpen because honestly 
the best bullpen in the world would have still had a really tough time this season for the Brewers because the runs are just not there. Run support is lacking. And ultimately, you win games by scoring more runs than the other team. Yep. Uh, and fun- the, funnily enough, I think yesterday I saw that uh, I can't remember the writer, but they write for Brew Crew Ball and SB Nation, and that this has been by WRC Plus the best offense of the Stearns era. And that just goes to show that it's not good enough to overcome when you overcome the pitching failures that occurred. So you need to build a better offense. You don't need to build a league average offense. You need to build a good offense. And league average just isn't cut, cutting it anymore because I think they've got you've gotten by for a few seasons on we've got elite pitching. We've got elite pitching. We've got elite pitching. And what if your pitching is just okay in certain spots? Then, like you said, you need to outscore teams, not just run prevent prevent them into a victory. And this team just hasn't been good enough to do that. The Phillies are an interesting counterpoint because there is almost an element of things being flipped in terms of they have the offensive options where their pitching depth isn't necessarily what the Brewers have. And I think ultimately they're going to win out just because in spite of all of the inconsistencies they have and how vulnerable they've looked in the past couple of weeks, they are capable of kind of getting the bats hot and really getting something going. You look at the other teams the Brewers have been competing with. There's no comparison between what the Padres have offensively. There's no comparison between what the Cardinals have offensively. That's every time we face the Cardinals, we've probably done four or five Cardinals playbacks. And just the difference when you get to six or seven in the order for the Cardinals, and there's still real reason to fear what's happening. You can get kind of, you can go through six guys and the tread is, is real for the Cardinals, where if you're facing the Brewers, Get through the first three guys quickly. Get through four where Renfro's gone as well. And it's like, oh, you're probably going to see your way through the order without giving up a run. That's just, it's not good enough. It's not good enough to be a playoff team. The margins are far too small. It's good enough to be a very good team that, you know, will just miss the playoffs and will consistently be in the mix. And maybe you won't have an empty stadium, which could well be the goal here. But as we see it in the past week or so, and I think as we've seen maybe second half of the season, post the hater trade, fan sentiment does seem to be turning very, very slowly, very gradually. Um, but there is there there feels like there's a shift from where at the start of the season, I think you and I were in a place where we felt like, what's why is everyone so loyal to all this? What what have we missed? And we were very much getting that kind of feedback. Feedback. Uh, the worm, maybe the worm in the apple, Andrew, has turned since. Like there's there's a very gradual shift in that, and I do think that is something that's interesting. And also, that might be the only thing that gets the attention of Adonazio is if attendance has started to drop. And for, realistically, for next season, you're looking at attendance is dropping because this team is probably going to be worse unless you. You really get creative, and also you spend some more money. Um. Yeah, I remember those days when we were the the ones that were being too sour. Things have changed. I almost think, uh, you know, the conversations that we have here are the uh, a little more measured than they are on Twitter these days. I <laughs> I've seen I've seen some things that shock me and and uh, scare me. But uh, there was one more game in the series. Um. Freddie Peralta took them out against Pablo Lopez. 
Pablo Lopez, who is good but had been struggling. You would not know he had been struggling by watching his performance against the Brewers. Uh, Freddie, to his credit, gave a really nice bounce-back performance after being a factor in that very difficult uh was that it well that was the first game of the series after yes <laughs> after uh, allowing the home run to Avisel garcia in that first uh game in the series that would be the uh the deciding factor in that game freddie came out in a what was planned to be a short outing and it was a short outing four innings pitch two hits no runs uh no walks four strikeouts so good outing for freddie Better outing for Pablo Lopez, seven innings pitch, two hits, no runs, three walks, seven strikeouts. Brewers couldn't get anything going um, against him, though they would get base runners in this game frequently and frequently not bringing them home. Uh, in the seventh, Peyton Burdick starts the scoring for the Miami Marlins. Uh, base hit makes it one to nothing at that point. Um, and then Jacob Stallings hits a sack fly to score. De La Cruz makes it two nothing. In the eighth, a Christian Yelich ground out makes it two to one. And then in the ninth, backs against the wall. Colton Wong single makes it two two. We would go to Manfred Ball. Adam, uh, you watched this deeper in more detail than I did. Do you have how, how was the sense going into Manfred Ball? You know, it's my least favorite thing in the world. Uh, how, how did it feel? How did it go? What was, what was the vibe? I mean, the volleyball is the Brewers are running out of bullpen arms. And that's they had really they had reached that point by the time Trevor God is back in um after trying the guts of two innings the previous night. So that was the immediate concern for the Brewers is oh yeah, you've used one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pitchers in total they use in the game. Um after doing very similar the night before. I think it was six or seven the night before that. Um that was the concern. Having said that, the way things played out, in spite of giving up a run in the tent, which anytime, anytime the Manfred runner scores, you get concerned as a Brewers fan because this means, oh God, we're going to need a hit to have any chance of extending this game. They managed to do that. Um, honestly, could have won the game there, could have won the game again in the 11th, but the offense just was not, does not do enough, you know, getting guys to third and then not paying it off is painful. And when your season is on the line, I think that's that's also kind of a, a point that we haven't made. Everything, pitching, batting, everything had to be clutch for the Brewers in this series. They had to stand up to the pressure and they had to deliver their best in the moment. And it does feel like in the kind of crucial junctions of this series... They crumbled under the pressure every time. Um, you have an extra innings loss. You have a ninth inning loss. Um, and in game one, it's the ace. Like, you're letting these games get away from you when the tension in Amfam really ramped up, when you can hear it on TV, let alone feel it in the stadium. So, yeah. I mean, this it was very much as you'd expect, Andrew. Not a lot of fun. Not a lot of fun. Brewer stretch to within an inch of their life, and you're just like, please, someone. The timely hit is what was missing. Yep. Uh, Joey Wendell single in the top of the tenth scores a man for man. Uh, Willie Thomas answers in the bottom of the tenth to tie it up, send it to the eleventh. Nothing doing for either team in the eleventh, and then a Rojas single in the twelfth makes it four three. 
Brewers can't answer in the bottom of the 12th. 4-3 loss. I think the second 4-3 loss this year is we also had a 4-2 loss mix in there. So a lot of similar score lines. And that, as we mentioned, puts the Brewers in a very tough position. And uh, we come down to the final week of the season, three games remaining for basically everyone, I think, unless there's someone out there that I'm not thinking of with some rain delay factors. The Brewers find themselves 84 and 75. Um, and they are two games back of the Philadelphia Phillies for that final wild card spot, who are 86 and 73. The Phillies have three against the Houston Astros, who, to their credit, are rolling out top tier starting pitching in this matchup, despite having nothing to play for. That being said, uh, the Brewers need them to go out and sweep the Phillies, and then the Brewers need to be perfect against the Arizona Diamondbacks, who, for good measure, are firing out two of the better starting pitchers in the National League for the last half of this season. Adams, Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, look for they also for care about integrity, Andrew. Yeah, they do. We all do. It's you know, it's baseball. But anyway, uh, is 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 ESPN doing it to me again? I need to pull up MOB. Sorry. They're, no, uh... I, I do believe you're. Okay. Unless there's, is there a gap there? There's no, not I, a gap, but it's not a name. I was then a name I was expecting to see is not where I was expecting to see it. Okay, so this is just what it is. So Monday, October third, a uh, six forty Central start. Brandon Woodruff takes on Tommy Henry. Uh, Tuesday, October 4th, 640 Central start, Eric Lauer versus Zach Gallen. And then the final game of the season, October 5th, 310 Central start. So we are playing October baseball, Adam. Uh, Corbin Burns versus <laughs> Merrill Kelly finishes off the season. You were expecting Gallen Woodruff, right? That's because I think that, that's that what is we what, talked about last that's, time. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was expecting. Game one obviously didn't shake out that way. Would have been a fun matchup, but uh, nevertheless, Still fun anytime uh, Brandon Woodruff takes the mound. Yeah, three more games. We'll talk about it all on Thursday as well. Uh, I have a prediction. I have a prediction. Go ahead. I think the Astros sweep the Phillies. Wow. I think the Brewers win game one, and they win game two, and then they lose game three after Corbin Burns comes out after eight innings. <laughs> I know you're trolling me. I'm. I'm not. I'm. Uh, I'm actually not trolling because this this team has like we're we're calling. Oh yeah, they're dead. We're really talking border. He got a post mortem at the moment, but they have got us to the final series of the year. As I think we've joked about for a long time that they would put us through the ringer like this, and I think as most Brewers fans honestly have come to expect, it would not shock me if there is another twist and turn in this which makes us believe again only to have our hearts absolutely stomped on by my arizona diamondbacks um i i i generally i think the astros might well do their part i don't have faith that the brewers can do their part but they might just get close enough that we think oh my god is it gonna happen uh, i i definitely i feel like something's gonna happen that is really gonna make us rue all of those really ridiculous because again it's probably not even the marlins losses they definitely don't help but we could go back to so many games across the course of the season um maybe i'm wrong maybe maybe the team are just broken now maybe they go out and they lose tonight and it's officially done but i don't know jink brandon woodrow's gonna let that happen 
I definitely don't think Brandon Woodruff's going to let that happen. I think the Astros not playing for anything are going to let that happen. Uh, I don't know. The Phillies, let's, let's remember that the Phillies playing for everything have not been good. They have generally been losing to teams that are playing for nothing. Um, and doing so when the players of those teams have not been good. The Astros at least flip that equation in a different way, which, yeah, they may be playing for nothing, but they're also just good. Um, so the outcome there is maybe skewed in a different way compared to where it was with, say, the Nationals, who still managed to hang up double-digit runs on the Phillies in a game. So I, I three, think there's... Three meaningless wins. It's just that's where I draw the line. If you tell me they're going to win the series, I would have said, yeah, I believe that. But just three times being like, all right, let's wake up this morning and play these games that matter not at all to us whatsoever. And your mind's not going to be on, let me not get hurt. Let me just, you know, like, I just feel like. So so which sweep do you think is less likely? I think the Astros sweeping the. uh, It's less likely than the Brewers sweeping the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I think the Brewers could sweep this. They haven't done it since June. Yeah, it's fine. They they haven't swept anyone other than the Reds of the Pirates this season. And I think they're going to sweep the the Diamondbacks and the Phillies are going to lose two out of three. And it's coming down to the last day when the Phillies get the win. That's what I think is going to happen. Oh, okay. But all right. So we are somewhat aligned in that. Yeah, yeah. We're both expecting final day heartache. Okay. We're flipping the last outcome is what we're doing. Because we just like to torture ourselves in different ways. Um, I forgot to do the Master Brewer leaderboard. I'll do that very quickly. I have a name we didn't discuss, but looking at the numbers, he's on par with some of the other guys we added. Um, Eric Lauer, five, is that name? Is it? No, it's it's Matt Bush. Two and a third inning pitch, all clean. Yeah, okay. That's it. Was the it was the Cardinals? Series. Yeah, it was the card. Fresh it was, in my yeah, mind. Ex- yeah, okay. exactly. You know, I, I wanted to punish I, him for that, but that wasn't it's actually vi- at this series. <laughs> it's it's very understandable because you know I followed similar thought tracks, but more aggressively on offline offline camp conversations before. Uh, Eric Lauer, five innings pitch, no walks, one hit, no runs, nine strikeouts. Uh, Corbin Burns, eight innings pitch, four hits, no runs, seven strikeouts, two beers for Corbin Burns for going eight innings and could have gone nine. Uh, Trevor got two and two thirds innings pitch, uh, only allowed a Manfred man to score. Uh, Matt Bush, two and a third innings pitch, scoreless with a strikeout. Brent Suter, similarly, two innings pitch, only allowed a Manfred man uh, to score, no other runs. And Brad Boxberger, two clean innings. Leaderboard through 159 baseball games. Rowdy Tellez with 23, Corbin Burns with 20, Christian Yelich with 19, Willie Adams 17, Brandon Woodruff 15. Andrew McCutcheon, 13. Devin Williams, Colton Wong, Hunter Renfro with 11. Eric Lauer, Luis Arias, Tyron Taylor, Jace Peterson with 10. Hobie Milner, Keston Hira, Josh Hader with 7. Freddie Peralta with 6. Brad Boxberger, Victor Caratini, Peter Strzelecki, Aaron Ashby with 5. Matt Bush, Jason Alexander, Trevor Gott, Brent Suter with 4. Garrett Mitchell, Adrian Hauser, Taylor Rogers, Jonathan Davis with 3. Luis Perdomo and Omar Narvaez have 2. Mike Brasso, Jake Cousins, Yandu Gustave, Luke Barker with 1. We've done the look ahead, but Adam, I want to touch on one more thing before we head out of here and more sadness. For these ne- yeah, more sadness. Uh, the Nashville Sounds were playing in the uh, International League Championship game with the opportunity to go to the AAA National Championship game. A very cool event that they've come up with. Uh, the IL uh, West winner plays the IL East winner, and then the winner of that plays the, I 
think it's still called the Pacific Coast League. I don't know. I actually didn't look into that. Like I said, I was going to because I'm, you know, I'm so uh, it's my international league bias from being a lifelong native of Durham, North Carolina. Uh, the Nashville Sounds took on the Durham Bulls in Vegas and it did not go well. A 13 nothing loss for the Sounds. The Bulls would go on to win the final the next day as well. Uh, so Is that there was tough. happening. You're going to get to go to parade. I think it's just like if I go drive to get takeout near the ballpark, I'll like fly a Bulls flag. Um, yeah. South Freelick went one for four. Estee Ruiz went one for four. Terang went two for three. Weimer two for four. And yet no runs scored. So uh, oh, they're going to fit right in. <laughs> yeah. 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. But the guys, but all the names we know got on base and had pretty decent games. Uh, they just, and yet it wasn't enough. Like, nobody, if if nobody, that's not the story of Brewers baseball this season, I don't know what is. Nobody could drive them in. Ethan Small, two thirds of innings pitched, three hits, four runs. All of them earned a walk, no strikeouts. So tough outing for Ethan Small in the middle of that game. The game was long lost when he came in. So it uh, wasn't really pitching for anything that mattered. But yeah. You know, the, the Durham Bulls is just, they're a triple-A dynasty. If I'll, I'll send you the tweet showing their list of accomplishments over the last decade. They're just, uh, you know, they're the Manchester City now of, uh, of minor league baseball. But anyway, the sounds are done for the year. Uh, but a lot of these guys we will be talking about in the offseason because a lot of these guys are going to factor into the 2023 Brewers. I think there's going to be a youth movement next year. But, you know, we've got however many months to talk about that, Adam. And there's still a chance. It's a very, very minuscule chance that neither of us are very confident in it. But we both believe that we'll we'll be talked back into believing in the chance before the Brewers get one last chance to uh, crush us this year. So, three games to go. Three games for the Phillies. Let's see how it all shakes out. Who knows? Crazy things can happen in sports, but we're not particularly confident. Either way, we will be back to recap it all. Um, whether there's a look ahead to future games is to be determined. But to make sure you don't miss our next episode or any of what is likely to be our off-season content, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. That's Cruising for a Bruising. We're also on Twitter at BrewersGSBN. I'm at Amiga11 and Andrew's at AC Snide. You should also, I mean, at this point in the season, if you've been really kind of understandably awaiting your attention towards September and into October baseball, um, it's it's time for other sports rapidly approaching. Um, Packers got another unconvincing win last night, but listen, a win is a win, um, even if it comes in the NFL's version of Manfred Ball. And they're they're in good shape. That's still a lot that needs to fall into place, but you know the record is in good spot. A couple of opportunities coming up to continue to work things out and maybe to get the offense firing in a way it hasn't been so far. To stay on top of all things Green Bay Packers, go subscribe to Talk of the Tundra, GSPN's Packers podcast, hosted by our good friend Numak. You'll regularly hear Jordan Tresky on there, Ty Windish on there. Uh, myself and Andrew, it seems like, are about to become more available too. So maybe you'll you'll hear some more of us on there. The Milwaukee Bucks, they got their first preseason game under their belt on Saturday night. Um, they are jetting off around the globe for some morally and ethically questionable 
uh, events this week and they will continue their preparations to come back and try and win another NBA championship. So to stay on top of all of that and to hear all analysis of that throughout the season, go subscribe to our main feed, the Eurostep Podcast Network. So we'll hear Tyne Rowan on the Eurostep and myself and Jordan Tresky on Win in Six. And also, if you like things beyond sports, if you're interested in pop culture, go subscribe to Make Time for This. That's our feed for our movie podcast, hosted by myself and Andrew. If you want more from us, caption celluloid. That lives there. Plus, we'll work on some other things very soon. I think we're going to have a, a football or a soccer episode, as many of you listeners will know it as very, very soon. Um, last time out, we talked about legendary French filmmaker Jean-Luc Godard. Next up. This week, we're going to talk about the David Bowie documentary, Moon Age Daydream, and our favorite David Bowie songs. So, look, we've got, honestly, all bases covered here at GSPN. Something for everyone, a wide variety of hobbies and interests that are still mostly centered around sports. But, yeah, plenty for you to listen to, whether that is in between breaks as you prepare for a miraculous Brewers recovery that gets into the postseason, or if it is for the long Brewers offseason. So for information on all of that stuff, go to gspn.info. It's all there. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.